are listening to the official Acts 2 podcast. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.acts2orlando.com. Let's start off with my story. Give you my age a little bit. Um, Guy and I got saved in the Catholic Church in April 1st, 1971. Okay. Our Catholic priest prayed over us, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and got saved at the same time. Spoke in tongues right there. It's amazing, you know? And Guy and I began reading. I'd never read the Bible. You know, Catholics, we. At that time, we were taught not to read the Bible because the priest would, you know, tell us what it meant. And so I never read it. This is the first time we started reading it together every night. I mean, we would just read and read and read. And I came across Daniel chapter 2, I believe it is, where it says he had a special fast. He fasted. uh, uh, He only ate vegetables, I think it was. And I got to thinking about a special fast. Now, I've never heard of anybody doing a special fast like I was going to do before or since. But I had this friend of mine I grew up with in school. He was an atheist, a real close friend of mine. We did stuff together, and he was on my heart. I said, uh, God, I want to fast for Joe. That's his name, Joe. Some of you people in here know him, actually. Um, I said, Lord, I'm only going to drink water. I'm going to eat what I want, but I won't drink anything but water until he gets saved. Now, that's something I wouldn't advise anybody to do. <laughs> and so I called him up. It was on the payphone. I was in Georgia, and he was in California somewhere. I said, Joe, Joe, guess what? I found something incredible. You know, we had that kind of rapport with each other. And he said, what is it? I said, I can't tell you, man. It's too big. It's too big. This is too big. I've got to tell you in person. And so a couple of months went by, and I went home. And he comes and he says, what is it? What is it? I walked up to him and I said, it's Jesus. And he looks at me and he began to curse me with every word. He cursed for 10 minutes and didn't say the same word twice. You know, it, I mean, he didn't want anything to do with it. You know, you've come a blankety blank Jesus freak on me. And he, just, he just walked out and he, he said, you know, I mean, he was upset. I said, I'm going to pray for you. He said, don't waste your breath. And I still pray him. Four months later, he's not saved. Five months later, six months later, I'm still drinking water. (laughs) Seven months later, I'm still drinking water. No coffee, no wine, no tea, no soda, water. Seven months later, he knocks at my door. He says, I met Jesus. He says, Jesus appeared to me and said, take my hand. And he says, I can't. There's a wall. He says, reach through it. And he took, and Jesus grabbed him physically by the hand. And he got saved. And I was in construction. I was in plumbing at the time. And he didn't have a job. And every day he'd come knocking on my door when I got off work. And poor Diane had to put up with this. Every day from 3.30, 4 o'clock till 2 in the morning, he said, teach me. And here I was, six months old in the Lord. Didn't know much. But I read the Bible a bunch of times. Anyway, I knew something, you know. And so I did. Today, 
he's a missionary. He's lived in Haiti for 20 years. He Now, this is the funny thing about this, the water thing. He builds water purifiers <laughs> and brings them to the nations. He, he's delivered water purifiers probably in the hundreds, maybe the thousands. He's in every, every disaster, he's there. Everyone. He's taken, I've been to Haiti with him, and... Uh, I hate to travel. Don't like traveling. Diane's been to Burning Man five times. Okay, I've never been. But anyway, I hate to travel. And uh, we were doing worship about several years ago. You know that song, wherever you say go, I'll go, Lord. Wherever you say, you know. I began to cry for some reason. And, and I said, yeah, Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. Well, that day, Joe calls me. That day, he says, go get a sleeping bag. We're going to Pakistan. There's just been the earthquake. We're going to be sleeping in the Himalaya Mountains in the winter. And I hate to travel. I had to go buy freeze-dried food, sleeping bag. And, I, hey, I had, had to go. I just told God I would go anywhere he said. You know, I mean, I couldn't get out of it. I really couldn't. And so I said, okay. And we went to Pakistan, him and I and one other person, bringing these water purifiers there to relief for these people that had, had everything destroyed. Well, when the Pakistan government saw what we had, we were personal guests to the governor in the governor's mansion. I had white gloves waiters waiting on me at the table for every meal. <laughs> Military escort to ground zero. I said, Joe, I thought you thought missions, I thought missions was tough. And he's shaking his head. He's saying, I've never, never been on a mission this easy. <laughs> I don't know. I can't understand it. But anyway, that's my, the, actually, this story is in a, in a book published by Charisma House, and it's nationwide. But I just said, he wrote a book, not just about this, but the story I just told you, you know. And that's, uh, that's how I got started. We, my first person I led to Jesus was an atheist. <laughs> you know? And my prayer through, whole, through the whole time was that, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because uh, you know, I really had, I didn't have any idea. And most of us don't know what God wants you to do. And some of us already do. Now, the, the bad part about the people that get saved and know what they're supposed to do is they get in a hurry. They want to, like, do it right now. I know some people like that that know what they're supposed to do, but it's not time, and they want to do it beforehand. That's, that's really awkward. And the other part is to not know what you're going to do. And so here I am, six months old in the Lord, and I'm going to all these meetings in Baton Rouge, and uh, this prophet's in town. He calls me out of a group. And he says, you've been asking God, what do you want me to do? I said, got my attention. You know, because nobody knew that. And he said, you're going to do evangelism in a very unusual way. Okay. I was like, what does that mean? I mean, I wouldn't, I've done it, but it's not, I'm not the kind of knock on the door and get a tract. You know, but I, I said, okay. I had no idea what it meant. Although, drinking just water for seven months was a pretty unusual way, I guess. <laughs> you know, so, 
Anyway, um, well, I was thinking about people in Scripture, like I usually do. I'll try to relate to somebody in Scripture that did some things. I thought about Gideon. Well, here he was. He didn't know what he was called to do, and he got called, and the whole nation was changed because of him, his people. You know, Jonah didn't want to go. You know, you know the story. He wanted them all to go to hell. And God saved them anyway. So, you know, all these stories were very, you know, different. And uh, I'd like to read a scripture in Hebrews chapter 8 about Abraham. In chapter 8 in verse, uh, excuse me, chapter 11 in verse 8. Chapter 11 in verse 8. Get the picture here. This is about the... Uh, people of faith that um, the writer of Hebrews talks about. Okay. Hebrews 11 and 8, basically it speaks about what we call the heroes of faith, people that have gone through different things, not seeing the result until the end, you know, and Hebrews 11, verses um, 35. It says, Women received their dead raised to life again. Others were martyred, not accepting deliverance, and they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mockings and scourgings, yet and of chains and of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. History tells us that Isaiah was sawn in two with the sword. They were wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. And he goes on to say in verse in chapter 12, he goes on, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy set before him. You know, I like I like history. History tells us that uh, many of the Christians, when they were thrown to the lions, they were singing, this is the day that the Lord has made. You know, it's this joy. It's amazing how um, joy is set before you, ahead of you. You know, people don't, didn't see the end until later, you know. Uh, six months later, I'm asking God, still, you know, not just six months later, but years later, I'm still asking, what does this mean? Evangelism in an unusual way. And so, I guess it was uh, right before 98, 1998, 99, I was in another meeting with John Paul Jackson, and he calls me out, and he says, 
you're going to do evangelism in a very unusual way. And I'm really confused here. Because, see, I've been, I've been saved for 30 years at this time, and I'd never, spirit-filled, speak in tongues, believe the whole deal, but never given a prophetic word or interpreted a dream. All those times. And uh, he tells me this. And he says two other things. He said, you got to have your own business. At that time, I didn't. I was working for a profitable company, making good. And he, then he said, you're going to train young men. You know, he told me those three things years ago. And what I'm saying is, I'm trying to say is that we all have a plan cut out just for us that nobody but us can do. And some of us know what it is. Some of us know a little bit of it. And it says in Scripture, Paul said, we prophesy in part. We know just a little bit of it sometimes, you know. But we've shown the whole thing. We don't know what we've done, you know. But shortly after that, I went on my very first outreach, prophetic evangelism outreach, I'll call it that, in Manchester, England. And I went with a team. Brenda was there with me. We had a team of about 15 people maybe. And... Uh, here I am, took the courses. John Paul Jackson had some courses, prophetic evangelism type courses, interpreting dreams. And I studied them and everything. And here I am, getting ready to go out. We're in, we're in Manchester. Manchester, if you've ever known about it or seen it, it's a very, very dark city. It's a very gothic city. Uh, eight out of ten people, I was told, are either gay or lesbian in Manchester, England. It's the gay, gay and lesbian capital of the world. I was told that. It was during the Commonwealth Games. That's kind of like the Olympics. The British Olympics is what it, what it kind of is. And um, we were all, we were all got, got a bunch of little bitty cars there. No, I didn't see any big cars. Little, little bitty taxis. And, and here are 15 of us, six, five or six at a time, stuffed in this little caravan of taxis going to where we ever we were going to go in Manchester. And Brenda's in the car, well, the car I was in at this time. And she says, she begins to tap the guy on the front, the driver. She says, oh, my God, I've been here. I've been here. And she said, is there a library over there? He says, yeah, there's one right over there. He says, and then she says, where are we going? She says, we, I forget what he said, the name of the place. Was. I've been there. He says, she says, there's an Austin Powers car there. We drive to, it's, a, it's actually a federal, federal building. We drive there, pull up to the federal building, there's an Austin Powers car there, wow. right there. And what I thought about this, I've never forgot this, about this. This place where we went was like, a, it's an official federal building. It was a very gothic building and stuff. It had stairs, to, you know, concrete buildings everywhere. And... Uh, this place where we went was very significant because at our last day of our trip, uh, one of the people in our team had a dream before we got we, we were going there, and she dreamt about a person named Martin that had his hair cut and something about a rabbit. <laughs> and we had no idea what she's talking about. So here we are. We have this little sign that says USA Dream Team. We're holding it like this. And here's 15 of us interpreting dreams or asking people if they want us to, that kind of stuff. And this guy walks up drunk, with no hair. His name is Martin. And he has a dream. And we began interpreting his dream. 
and he breaks out. He just breaks out in tears, and he repents and he begins to worship God in the process. And it's 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 just really the most fantastic move of God on a drunk person I've ever seen because he's just completely sober in like a minute. And the strange thing about this thing, we all just laughed. I got a picture of it. I should have brought it, but this floppy-eared rabbit starts hopping up the sidewalk in the middle of a gothic city. What's a rabbit doing there? I mean, you see the, and we pick it up, and Martin holds it. Martin's holding a floppy-eared rabbit that's obviously a pet for somebody, and we had no idea what it was, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really strange. So, um, that's the unusual evangelism part. I, I happen to, Diane and I both love these people on the streets. We love the streets. We, the more, you know, the reason I thought about the um, the experience that Brenda had, somebody the other day when we was out, David and I was out, and this lady comes to the table, she talks, talks about, do you know what astral projection is? And that, that's a new age word for what stuff like uh, Ezekiel happened to Ezekiel. God picks him up by the spirit. And a lot of us use the expression that Paul gave, like, uh, uh, I'm absent in body, but present in spirit. He really was. Okay, it's not like an expression. We use it as an expression oftentimes. But Paul was in prison, and he was present in spirit. You know, that's, you read it carefully. And so things like this happen as God orchestrates them. Astral projection, where people try to do this on their own. Well, so they can do it, but something else helps them, you know. But I thought about that because that is real. God really does it. We don't, you know. So these things of the supernatural, I've come to, you know, love. Yes, ma'am. Thank you very much. She had a dream, and she was carried in the spirit, not only then when the, you dreamed it but that was the future she was carried in the future spirit in the future so two two incredible things happened she just wasn't just carried there in the spirit but also in the future because she knew that austin powell's car was going to be there you know that that was incredible thanks brenda i didn't <laughs> yeah she was screaming in the car you know it really was quite an experience you know <laughs> yeah. Uh, another another thing uh, in Acts chapter nine. Acts chapter nine and verse ten. You got a guy Ananias. You remember the story how um, God appeared to Paul. The Lord appeared there to Saul at the time knocked him down, blinded him with the light. And here's Saul. And here's this guy named Ananias, who he's not an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor. He's just, well, it says he's a disciple, which means he's studying. He's just minding his own business, I guess you'd call it, studying this guy named Ananias. He's a nobody, so to speak, not that that means anything. But in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10, Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he said, here I am. The Lord said to him, arise, go to the street called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For he, behold, he's praying. And in a vision he has seen a, 
a man named Ananias coming and putting his hand on him. See, Paul is seeing it. And so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard of him. How many about this man, how much harm he has done to you saints in Jerusalem. Now think about Ananias for a minute. Here's a guy that he obviously, he may not hate him, but he don't like him. Think of the, the worst, I guess, political enemy against the church that you can think of. And this was this guy. And God tells him in a vision, I want you to go see this guy. You know, just think about us going to see somebody that hates the church and is actually doing persecution to the church and killing us, you know. This is what this is what's going on today. In verse 14, and here he and here he already from the chief priests and to bind who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, "Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake." You know, Here's Ananias, sees a vision, and he was called to change Saul's life to Paul. You know, he was very insignificant, seemingly, you know, but there again, God used a, you know, God used a little guy who wasn't very known, and he didn't spoken of again, really, throughout the scripture. But yet, the greatest apostle ever, the right, most of the New Testament was Paul. He lived through that. So I kind of think about uh, kind of myself like that in a way. I mean, I, I like to touch people and stay in the background. Like this guy Joe that brings the missionary to the world. You know, he brings water to the world, and he's uh, very well known, actually. Um, but still a good friend of mine. We still talk all the time. Uh, we're the same age. We met in geometry class in 1966. And, and we used to philosophize about what's out there, you know. What kind of aliens are out there and all that kind of, you know, kinds of things. But anyway, um, I have I've really gotten a love for these people on the streets. That's just my heart. And Diane's too. You know, her and I have been a team together doing this for years, you know, since, since we actually learned how to do this. We've gotten a heart for these people. And uh, I just love, I, I just want to actually... This OSSM class, it just, I don't know how many of you guys are doing it again, but uh, I've been with David since he came here. First day he came here, he wanted to do some outreaches. And he calls Andrew, he says, anybody do outreaches over there on the street? You know? And he says, yeah, I think I know somebody, you know. And so since then, David and I have, have hooked up, and I'll tell you what, I've told him I've done this for since, well, like I told you, since for 15 years. And... Uh, he does this better than anybody I've ever seen. I, I, he is our leader, okay? And I, I'm glad that he is because he just, he can take it. He is, he is, no in, he is so in, uninhibited. He'll just call anybody over there. Hey, come here, you know? You know he, he's a great greeter. He is not offended easily. So uh, I want to encourage you guys, if you hadn't gotten involved with the OSSM, I mean, this is really, really my heart. And it, it would be years, too. What caught me so much is actually when you go out and see people's lives changed. You see, see people begin to, you know, pe people that supposedly well, hate God. They don't hate God. They don't like a lot of people that represent God maybe in a bad way. That's what they don't like. Nobody has a problem with Jesus. Nobody does. They have a problem with people in the church. So we don't really tell them we're in the church unless they ask. And then uh, we just have a good time. So... 
my main objective today is to just to tell you that we are all cut out for something special. And it, nobody but you can do it. You may not know what it is, but I think you probably know a little bit of what it is, even if you don't know some of it. Like, you're going to do evangelism in an unusual way. I had no idea what it meant, but I, I knew it was for real because the, pro the prophet spoke right here. I felt it, you know. And about the, um, the business, I have my own business. That came to pass, yeah. And, I'll, uh, and, uh, and just recently, within the last year and a half, I've begun to train several young men have individually come to me and said, would you teach me? That's, you know, I didn't ask them. They just, it just started to come to pass just recently. Now, this was prophesied to me 15 years ago. Not that you got to wait 15 years to do what you got to do. I'm not suggesting that, but things take time. And so I want you to be patient, you know, and, and just wait. And uh, the Lord will accomplish in you what he's purposed. Because we all know Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, the plans and thoughts I have for you. And, you know, there's another scripture in Psalm 37 that goes with that. It says, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Well, you know what the desire of your heart is when you delight in him, he he gives you the desire and then he gives it to you. Is what that's the way that works. Okay. So when you delight in the Lord, he will give you something in your heart to desire and then he will give it to you. Okay. So I just would like to uh close with um just with the prayer for all of you. That God will give you, just like Paul said, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, Jesus. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, and that you would know what the hope of your calling is, and what the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints are. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Acts 2 podcast. Love God, love people, and live life.